28,000 dead, many more missing and injured. The Japanese tsunami and earthquake is leading to a review of energy policies for governments all over the world. Fukushima is the worst nuclear incident in 25 years, coming after Three Mile Island in 1979 and Chernobyl in 1986. So the question for policymakers now is how to square that circle of producing cheaper, cleaner energy that will appease those worried about CO2 emissions, the environment and climate change, but at the same time ensure safe and secure energy sources for the short and longer term. Dr Bill Nuttall is Assistant Director of the Electricity Policy Research Group at Cambridge Judge Business School. Indeed, the, the earthquake and the tsunami was a, a terrible event that killed many thousands of people, potentially as many as 28,000 people, uh, and is a truly devastating incident. Um, but there has been this very serious uh, nuclear incident at uh, the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear power plant, and um, while no one has died, it, it has been very frightening uh, for people in the region uh, and has caused concern in Tokyo, a city of 35 million, uh, and has gone around the world and dominated the news cycle for, for many days now. But that domination of the news cycle, that, that, that actually is there, if you like, an overreaction to, to what was the secondary incident, the, the, the incident with uh, Fukushima and its reactors, and, and that we're reacting to nuclear rather than reacting to the primary cause of, of the, the nuclear debacle, which was the earthquake itself. Well, I, I think those involved with nuclear energy policy have to live with the reality that the technology is intrinsically frightening. It, 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 uh, it, radiation is detectable at absolutely minuscule levels and yet is invisible to our senses uh, and taps into some of our deepest fears. And so incidents involving radiation can be extremely disruptive to modern societies, and those disruptions can be very real indeed. They can cost hundreds of millions of dollars, billions of dollars in, in economic consequences. Uh, and so the, the, these, these consequences are real, but the, they, are, they are separate from deaths. And the, the thing that I am very conscious of is, is the deaths of the people in the natural disaster uh, in Japan. And you open by mentioning the number of people killed in energy technologies more broadly. And I was very struck that, that tragically 45 miners, uh, coal miners, were killed in Pakistan a few days ago in a mine explosion. And their, their, their story hardly made the news. Uh, because the news was dominated by the, the nuclear incident, I think. No human error, no technical fault. The 8.9 magnitude earthquake, which led to the radiation releases from Fukushima, were not due to human error, but nature itself. We need to learn lessons from Fukushima, says Dr Bill Nuttall, but we must not overreact in terms of discarding nuclear energy as a cheap, safer option for our joint energy futures. Maybe it's fear itself that we have to fear, not the nuclear renaissance. Well, I think that the importance of the issue comes from the fear, more than from the danger. But I think the importance of the issue is very real indeed. And I think that from all these incidents, the, the, the need is to learn lessons, as, as the Prime Minister said. And, and many lessons were learned from Three Mile Island, um, which uh, was caused by a very small technical fault uh, and led to the melting of a major 
electricity generation asset in a single day, uh, and importantly, nobody died. But Three Mile Island had, had, had significant consequences, uh, although it didn't kill anybody. Chernobyl, in contrast, uh, did kill people, killed 31 people in, in, in approximate to the event, and, and uh, is believed to have killed several thousand people uh, over the following years, and was an accident driven by pure human error of the operators, building upon poor design. But there was, as far as I recall, no technical malfunction of the plant on the, on the day. Um, Chernobyl had no containment around the reactor and had a core fire that spread harmful radioisotopes across a very large area indeed, uh, such that the rational and proper decision is to exclude people from living in those zones. So the Chernobyl accident had a, a real physical hazard associated with it, as well as, of course, this issue of fear that, that I mentioned earlier. Um, whether there are, what are the lessons from Fukushima? I suspect they're closer to the lessons already learned from Three Mile Island in 79. Um, the plants at Fukushima Daiichi plant were essentially designed before Three Mile Island. Uh, and the lesson I'm taking away from this story is the importance of containments on, on the, these designs. And uh, containments and loss of coolant accidents are, I would say, well considered by those proposing building new nuclear power plants in the United Kingdom. But post the Japanese earthquake, there's no doubt that the UK, Europe and elsewhere, energy policy makers will readjust or fine-tune their energy policies now. In the UK, the energy market review will have to be reviewed itself. In Japan, Fukushima has led to some loss of capacity, but in reality not that much. However, Japan's regional monopolies are likely to be reassessed. Dr. Michael Pollitt is Assistant Director of the EPRG. Yes, well, I think the, the sort of key question is why in a country which has 203 gigawatts of total capacity, um, the loss of perhaps um, 10 gigawatts in a single region um, causes blackouts in, in, in the capital city. And I think that does relate to the structure of the industry. Um, it is based on regional monopolies, which essentially um, supply their own customers with own, in their own area with limited interconnection to the rest of Japan. Japan itself is split into two grids, which are only weakly connected because of different frequencies. And so it's not possible to get large amounts of electricity up from the west of Japan um, into the eastern part where Tokyo is. Um, and that's the result of not uh, liberalising the market as much as uh, we've seen in many other countries, both in the UK and across Europe, uh, trying to expand interconnection and to increase resilience if some disaster happens in one particular area. As TEPCO, Tokyo Electric Power, battles to decommission its four damaged reactors at Fukushima and learn the lessons of decommissioning, the world watches to see how global energy prices will respond, particularly the demand for oil, gas and renewables now. Dr Pollitt says reducing demand for energy will become even more important post-Japan. Well, I think it comes down to policy choices that the country makes. And I think you know, one of the, the, the sets of uh, options that the country should be considering very seriously is increasing the interconnection between the East and the West, um, strengthening the uh, Japanese transmission system, separating that off from the rest of the 
uh, electricity companies, um, as we've seen in, in many other countries, including in the UK, and increasing competition in the, the final retail market um, to sort of break the, the grip of traditional monopolies. The impact of the Japanese quake might not be long term. How Japan manages the decommissioning at Fukushima, how the public and governments respond, will be key to what new energy policies emerge. The long-term implications of Chernobyl represented a setback to energy policies and some readjustment, but it was not disastrous. David Reiner, Assistant Director of the EPRG. Well, I mean, one thing that is clear is that if you look at Chernobyl, the public opinion rebounded remarkably uh, to the position where it was the, the month prior to, to, to the disaster. That's different from saying that uh, our energy policies or that our nuclear policies will re- rebounded after, after Chernobyl. I think clearly more than just a question of whether the broad public is, is supportive or, or opposed uh, to, to nuclear power. One can imagine that that this current spate of stories will abate, will will move on to other issues, uh, issues like climate change and and other things will rear their heads uh, in in six months' time, a year's time, and they'll start moving back onto the agenda. But that doesn't mean that many many of the policies that are currently being debated are not going to be uh, called into question and, and that many of the, the, the policies that are actually uh, under active consideration at the moment, say the uh, uh, electricity market uh, uh, review in, in the UK, won't, won't, won't be revisited. In the longer term, if people want cleaner, cheaper energy, the nuclear option is still a good one. And with new designs of power plants, that option gets to be safer reducing CO2 emissions and meeting climate change targets is a priority for most developed nations still. Dr Reiner again. I mean, this is a big challenge. um, Whether the public view returns to uh, a a somewhat ambivalent but moderately supportive view of of, of nuclear power or not, we're, we're going to see politicians be, being, I think, quite sensitive uh, to this. And, and I think the real challenge is, uh, is not so much that we can't do without nuclear. We could easily replace it with, uh, with fossil-fired uh, genera- generation capacity. The problem is that completely destroys any hopes we have of meeting any uh, climate change targets or ambitious efforts to, to deal with with climate change. So the real issue is not that we, we can't uh, overcome a, uh, problems with, with, uh, with nuclear power. The real challenge is whether, whether that's compatible with our other uh, longer-term environmental objectives. Some 31 countries currently operate nuclear power stations, with 443 operational nuclear reactors worldwide. There are another 62 under construction, 158 on order, and a further 324 proposed. China alone is building 27 plants. In France, despite prevailing public opinion being in favour of renewables, 75% of its needs come from nuclear power. But post the Japanese earthquake, opinion polls show voters in favour of renewables and the green policies of the centre-left are being mainstreamed into other parties too.
Dr Pierre Noel, Research Associate and Director of Energy Policy Forum. Very difficult to say. France's energy policy up until the very recent years has been mostly isolated from considerations of public opinions and it's been a, very much a, a technical economic elite uh, uh, thing. What is striking, and it's not specifically French, is that the, the quite radical ideas of you know, parties representing the most sort of postmodern you know, fringes of society, especially the Green parties, their ideas are, are becoming mainstream, and they're becoming mainstream through the centre-left parties. Uh, and on energy policy, this is a development that is not favorable to nuclear. And the Fukushima disaster very much revealed that this was going on in the background. And it's very clear that the debate inside the Socialist Party in France, in this debate, the proponents of nuclear power are losing ground to the opponents of nuclear power who see the future of energy much more in renewables and consuming less energy than on large-scale generation, be it nuclear or something else. Consumers may regard nuclear as old energy and renewables, sun, wind, rain, tides, geothermal, a better option. But as we invest more in renewables, the subsidies we pay go up. Dr Noel again. Is this earthquake in Japan going to change energy policy in the longer term? I mean, my personal view is not that nuclear is a thing of the past. I think it is a thing of the past, it, it, and, it, and it can be a thing of the future. There's been a considerable research going on and improvement in the design. And, and my point is not that, we should, that, that nuclear is something of the past. My point is that many people think it is. And, and, and in developed post-industrial countries a growing minority of people think it is. And, and, and it's a growing minority of people which has considerable political leverage on the mainstream parties. The renewables, I, I want to quote just one, one number. Last year, the German energy consumers paid 17 billion euros of renewable subsidies, subsidies that go to renewable uh, energy operators and generators. Interestingly, this is exactly the amount that Abu Dhabi paid for 5.6 gigawatts of nuclear capacity, which is also carbon-free, but is also base load and dispatchable energy as opposed to intermittent energy with very low load factor in, in, in Germany. So um, the very simple fact is that renewable energy is very, very expensive. So perhaps, and almost certainly, the disaster in Fukushima will translate into even more subsidies for renewables, uh, but the uh, taxpayers' or energy consumers' appetite or willingness to continue to pay those subsidies is unknown. The BP oil spill, the cost implications of who pays, political turmoil and upheaval in Egypt, Libya and other parts of the oil-rich Middle East states and the recent windfall tax on North Sea oil profits in George Osborne's budget would be enough by themselves to question the direction of our energy policies without the tsunami and quake in Japan.
Energy policy is riding through the choppiest of waters, but some think in the longer term not much will actually change. So who's a pessimist and who's an optimist? Dr Pollitt, Dr Nuttall, Dr Reiner and Dr Noel again. Let me just be controversial and throw a question open to all four of you, you now, and it's up to you who answers. But the EPRG, the Electricity Policy Research Group here at Cambridge Judge Business School, today on the implications of the Japanese disaster on European energy markets and policy. Wouldn't some say that we might actually be discussing energy policy if there hadn't been a Japanese earthquake? Look at what else is going on in the world, in the Middle East, Libya oil supplies, uh, the security of gas supplies coming through Europe now. And then, of course, George Osborne putting a tax on oil in his budget and uh, two more companies uh, joining Norway's uh, Statoil in considering shelving North Sea investment projects. It's a troubled time for energy policy, regardless of the Japanese earthquake. Uh, Michael, yeah, uh, yes, I think is the answer to that. It is a very troubled time. I mean, relating the two incidents together, I think what we uh, what we can observe more generally is it's impossible to predict what's going to happen in energy markets, and that's why we need energy markets to be as global as possible because we can't predict what's going to happen at any one location at any particular time, and we need the operation of the global market to react to changes in supply in any one location. So Japan is going to be a major beneficiary from global gas markets and global oil markets. It's going to be able to make up its energy deficit on nuclear um, much more easily than it would otherwise have done. And whatever happens in a single country in the Middle East, you know, oil uh, supply and demand will adjust um, uh, to, 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 to provide the right signals to the market. And Bill, can I bring you in here? Because you are, if you like, an optimist about nuclear. But you talked about how, you know, questioned 27 different energy policies in Europe. That's been something you've been banging on about, Mm -hmm. isn't it? Doesn't this illustrate, um, uh, you know, all the trouble we're suffering in terms of energy at the moment, how perhaps we do need something larger? Well, I think that the the thought that crosses my mind is the question actually somebody asked me a few days ago which is so Bill how has this changed your mind about nuclear energy and I found that actually a very difficult question and it has in some very small ways changed my mind about nuclear energy but I think that basically my experience is that for the most part the Fukushima incident has reinforced whatever people's previous opinion was and um, so taking us to the point about 27 different energy policies in Europe given that the drivers, the main drivers of energy policy in Europe are energy security for energy from outside Europe and climate change as a global problem. It did seem bizarre to me that it was a policy of subsidiarity. But I think this notion that you know, everybody's views, whatever they are, have been strongly reinforced by Fukushima pushes back the possibility of a common energy policy for Europe in the terms I'd been thinking of it. I, I take on board absolutely uh, Michael's comment that markets are helpful And I think that that part of European energy policy could be progressed. But the idea of harmonising European energy policy on attitudes to nuclear, I think, is much harder now. 
Um, yes. Well, do you think then perhaps we could talk about micro and macro? Because the micro might be people selling off their plutonium to pay for, for, for sort of new plants. Um, it, it might be people saying, well, we're, you know, they're taxing oil in Britain, so we're, we're going to do something uh, different. It might be, you know, the BP oil spill question who pays? But, but, but it, if you like, everything in the short term, in terms of energy policy, appears to be up in the air, David. I, I, what I would say is, is what, what clearly both the, 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 the nuclear crisis indicates and the, the current crisis in Libya and more broadly in, uh, in the Middle East indicate is, is, is that with regard to energy supply, the potential for a serious crisis, serious sort of unanticipated problems are, 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 are apparent. What, what is striking, though, is that we, you don't have nearly the same thing appearing with regard to climate change. So, so uh, Bill mentions that, that climate change is one of, one of arguably one of the two main drivers of uh, energy policy in, 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 in the European Union. The, the problem is that we don't have nearly the same uh, clear and present danger uh, from, from climate change in the way that we do from the situation we have in the Middle East or, or that there would be from, uh, uh, from a meltdown of, of a nuclear reactor. So that, that to me, is the big, the big challenge. That the, 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 there's, there's very long-term driver of, of energy policy has to somehow cope with, with the fact that you have these massive uh, supply shocks, uh, massive impacts and, and crises in supply. And, and, Pierre, that was something you talked about in terms of public trust, didn't you? That, that do, do you think that, that this Japanese earthquake is going to affect energy policy in the longer term? Are we going to see politicians change what the policymakers are doing? I think it's completely unpredictable. I think it's unpredictable. We, we, I, I don't know. I don't know. What, I think that the, uh, the credibility of our commitment to reducing carbon emissions, which was never really, really high, is now even lower uh, because if nuclear energy is not available, readily available for both developed and developing countries as a way of meeting a significant share of growing energy needs, with zero carbon electricity, then we are in deep trouble. Phil? One, one thing I'd like to add is there's a third factor to European energy policy and, and British energy policy that's very, very important, that is cost. And uh, any, any, everybody can see the rising energy prices all, all around us. And it's a particularly acute issue for nuclear energy because nuclear energy, um, the plan is to, to build the new power stations uh, without subsidy, and, and frankly, nuclear energy is not a low-cost option. And so the, the economic proposition of building nuclear power stations before Fukushima was, I would think, on a knife edge. And uh, there is a risk that the learning of lessons from Fukushima rightly forces a rethinking of design, which could add costs that uh, sink the, the, the nuclear aspirations. But if the lessons from Fukushima are broadly the same, as those that have been learned over decades from incidents such as Three Mile Island, then there is the possibility that we can take comfort from the designs that are already on the table. And then there is the possibility that we can indeed um, uh, gradually replace our old nuclear power plants with new ones uh, which benefit from all the engineering lessons learned over the last 40 years. 
But it is going to be hard to get beyond those news headlines every week, every day. You're, you know, there's lots happening in the world, but you're, you're waking up to, to whether or not TEPCO can sort of close down safely its um, nuclear reactors at Fukushima. You know, should the exclusion zones be uh, 20 kilometres or, or 40 uh, kilometres? It isn't just going to be that flash in the pan, that one year, if, if you like, bad headlines, and then we all brush ourselves down, get up and say, well, we'll continue as we were with nuclear. Does anyone want to sort of posit that, that perhaps coming after Three Mile Island and um, Chernobyl, that Fukushima will lead to a long-term change? I think, I think the... Um lesson from the two previous incidents that you've mentioned is that there is a long-term effect and that these nuclear incidents have got a global resonance. We can't exactly predict what the resonance will be, but we can predict that it will have some effect, I think. So uh, I think I'd venture one prediction, which is that it will cause a redoubling of our efforts on demand-side management and demand reduction, because that's the one thing we can agree is a good thing and is cost-effective. And as our technological options seem to be becoming more restricted on the supply side, as a result of Fukushima and as a result of the very high cost of all the low-carbon options, this pushes us back to demand-side interventions. It pushes us back to coal gas trade-offs and uh, you know taking coal out of the energy mix and replacing it with gas so i think you know one can look at things that will definitely benefit and those are two of them okay pierre one point i think there's a very clear structural trend and it's that the oil price the high oil prices that we've known for a decade now are here to stay they're not a conjunctural effect they might go down because we have a a recession, but then they shoot up very quickly. And historically, the single biggest driver of energy policies and energy choices is the price of oil. I think we are in for several decades of very high oil prices, and this cannot but have very profound impact on the way we use energy. So I think that irrespective of whether we are going to, you know, whether we are able to change the policies, I think energy choices made by businesses and, and people will gradually be impacted by those very high prices and they will be impacted for the better, I think. Redoubling our efforts to reduce our joint demands for energy will become increasingly urgent in coming years as the price of oil continues to rise and climate change targets need to be met. But how has the Japanese quake subsequently changed our electricity policy research group's mind? One sound bite each. Well, I think my, my goal that the European Union might have a single voice on uh, energy technology policy it recedes. I, I still have the hope that one day we might get there, but it's going to be a slower journey. Michael? I think it, it reopens the issue of other risks. Uh, the, the, it's not just climate change risk that we face. There is a safety risk. There is an electricity security risk. There are risks of having large numbers of plants at one, at one site. So I think it, it, it widens our focus in terms of risk analysis. David? 
I think this places a chill on, on nuclear power policy. It means that in certain countries which were dipping their toe back in, like Germany, I think we're, we're not going to see uh, any, any further efforts. I think in countries like the UK, I think it's still a bit early to tell as to whether the, the, the nuclear renaissance is, is uh, in the offing or not. Pierre? We've overemphasized security risks coming for dependence on foreign sources of energy. I think the Japanese disaster reminds us that being part of a global market for energy is a very good thing for, for security. As energy policies post-Japan are looked over, scrutinized, rejigged and thought through, the Energy Policy Research Group at Cambridge Judge Business School will be there pondering how policymakers can reconfigure their policies to give us cleaner, cheaper energy, but at the same time encouraging us all to reduce our demand and switch off those lights and change those light bulbs. Maybe in the longer term, those smaller energy-saving measures will have longer-lasting implications to climate change than the 8.9 magnitude earthquake and the tsunami which hit Japan on March the 11th, 2011. Three Mile Island and Chernobyl are good points of reference for those looking to the longer-term consequences. <laughs> ¶¶